This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 21. Through the season of Advent, we've been looking at the names of Jesus and what they tell us about him and what he means for us. We've looked at Jesus as king, the one who rules and, and will rule. We've looked at Jesus as Messiah, the one that we've waited for and who was promised. We've heard about Jesus, the way, how he leads us and guides us through all of life's troubles and shows us the way to live. We talked about Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Tonight, Christmas Eve, we're talking about the name which is above every name, the name of Jesus. Christmas is a strange holiday, and not just this year with the lockdowns and the not getting together and hearing Christmas Eve services through a screen. It's a strange holiday because Christmas isn't really about itself. Like, Thanksgiving is about giving thanks, right? And Canada Day is about celebrating Canada, but Christmas isn't really like that. I, uh, I had a friend in high school who was, you know, he was kind of nominally Christian, but he was a good man, but he, like many in our world, thought that Christmas was the important holiday to attend church. <laughs> and he looked at me like I had two heads when I told him that Easter was actually the important one. Easter? Why are we talking about Easter? It's Christmas. But Christmas is all about Easter. I mean, without Christmas, there is no Easter, true. If Jesus ha isn't born, then Jesus doesn't live or die or rise again. But without Easter, without the death and resurrection of Jesus, Christmas is just a nice idea to make us feel better when we're down. The name Jesus means God is salvation, or God saves. And that is the core of the Christian message. It is God who saves, not us. It's so tempting, so natural for us to think in terms of aspiration before relaxation. You know, finish your homework, then you can watch TV, or wash the dishes, and then you can read a book. Even go to work, and then get paid. Get your sins sorted out, then get involved in church. Become a better Christian, be more like Jesus, then God will love you and you'll be worthy. It feels so natural, right? It, it's kind of how we automatically think. But this is not the message that Jesus tells us. It is God who saves us, not us. Jesus commands us in John 15 to remain, to abide in his love. Not to struggle, not to strive, but to simply abide. The book of Hebrews, which we'll be looking at in the new year, is full of the imagery of being seated in the heavenly realms with Jesus that the work is done, and the invitation to us is to sit, to recline, 
to enjoy what has been accomplished. That Jesus has done for us what we could never do for ourselves. And our response is to receive. Only when we are relaxed into the arms of the Father are we truly in any position to begin the work of being conformed to the image of the Son. We must sit before we can run. There's a, there's a TV show that's been going around Christian circles called The Chosen. And it is a dramatization of the life of Jesus. And I think it's really excellent. It's possibly the best on-screen depiction of Jesus that I've ever seen. But they have a sort of pilot episode. And it's called The Shepherd. It's the story of a shepherd who brings a lamb to market, hoping to offer it as a sacrifice. But when he finally finishes the journey, the lamb is found to have a blemish. And it's rejected. He is told by the Pharisee not to return until he has found a spotless lamb. He returns dejected to the fields nearby to keep watch over his flocks by night. And the sky is split and the shepherds are bathed in light and an angel appears and shares with them the arrival of the Savior. They run to Bethlehem and they gaze in wonder and worship at this child who has been born King of the Jews, Messiah. Their lives are turned upside down. In their excitement, they run into the town and begin to tell anyone that they meet about the Savior in a manger when they are confronted by the Pharisee. I told you not to come back here, he says. So, where is it? Have you found a spotless lamb for sacrifice? The shepherd pauses. He smiles. And the episode ends. The shepherd knowing that he has, in fact, found the spotless lamb. At Christmas, we remember that God became one of us. A song that I've been enjoying this season speaks of the artist in the paint, the architect inside the plan, of the author who climbed inside the page. But we don't just remember that God became one of us, though that is amazing. We also remember the God who promised to set all things right, who promised in a coming one who would crush the head of the serpent, the God who made the first sacrifice who made the first covering for us when our own attempts were insufficient. The God who chose us, who reached out to us and made a covenant with us. The God who preserved his people through all that the world had to throw at them. The God who spoke when all was darkest. The God who was shown faithful. The God who put on skin, who rescued us from our sin while we were yet his enemies. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. To end our reflection, I'd like to take us back to a passage that we visited in the first week of Advent when we spoke of Jesus as King. In Revelation chapter 5, the Apostle John sees a vision of the throne room of God, and he sees a scroll and he weeps because no one is found who is worthy to open the scroll. But then there is one who can open the scroll, one who is worthy. And John writes this, Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, 
which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You've made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And in a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Merry Christmas.